Before I begin, I want to say thank you to the young ladies who participated in that uh, recent song. That was delightful. You can do that any Sunday you want to, or any Sunday the <coughs> accompanist allows. Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto us from our Lord and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text is based on the second half of our gospel lesson, and I'd like to read it again at this time. As they were walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus told him, Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to sleep. He told another man, Follow me. But this man said, Sir, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Let the dead bury the dead. You must go else, everywhere and tell about God's kingdom. Another said, I'll follow you, sir, but first let me tell my family goodbye. And Jesus said to him, Whoever starts to plow and looks back is not fit for God's kingdom. Dear friends in Christ Jesus, Many years ago, I uh, had a children's lesson that, uh, where I asked the children a question. Why don't your parents buy you whatever you want? I had some strange answers to that question, you might imagine. But uh, finally, one thoughtful young boy said, because they can't afford it. That's true, isn't it? Cost is important, whether we're buying something for ourselves or for our children or our grandchildren. Even if we can afford something, we have to ask ourselves, is this what I need to buy? If I buy this, can I afford that? I have to make a decision. Do I really want that item that badly? What is the final cost? When I used to counsel young couples for premarital counseling, which I enjoyed very much, I used to always talk to them about finances. Finances are important in a marriage. We talked about the discussions or arguments that lay ahead of that couple if they didn't have the same priorities. They must have the same priorities. Otherwise, you would find one of them feverishly saving every cent they could for the down payment on that first house, while the other was saving everything that they could towards a shiny new automobile. Unless they got together on those priorities, they were headed down the road of a disaster. Today we want to consider the cost of following Jesus. Luke tells us about those three persons who wanted to follow Jesus or were invited to follow Jesus, and each one needed to consider the cost of discipleship. As we examine the responses that were given by Jesus and by those people, we need to also look at ourselves and ask ourselves, am I willing to give up what it takes to follow Jesus. Salvation, we know, is free. By grace alone we're saved, through faith, and that not of ourselves, lest anyone should boast.
But discipleship, well, discipleship can have a cost. The first situation uh, was initiated by the individual. He said, I will follow you wherever you go. We're not told why the man came up to Jesus and wanted to follow him. But the response that Jesus gives gives us kind of an idea that he must have hoped for some kind of monetary gain of some kind. Because Jesus tells him, this is a tough life. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to sleep or lay his head. Jesus wants the man to understand that he, he was looking for financial gain. This was not the place to look. As a matter of fact, we oftentimes have a great cost in following Jesus. Many years ago, I was blessed to be a pastor of a congregation that was a mission church. And when we went to build our first congregational church, it was going to be a modest building, but uh, we had very little money and not that many members. And so we uh, employed a group of men and women called Labors for Christ. Unfortunately, that group no longer exists in the Missouri Synod, but at that time, they were a group of people who went around the country working for minimum wage and workman's compensation. They came with their own trailers or motorhomes or whatever means of travel they had, and they stayed on the site and worked six days a week. They gave up many of what we call ordinary accommodations, not even luxuries, to do this, and yet I never heard one of them complain. On the sixth day, Saturday, they would ask the congregation who was able to come and join them. Well, that became a regular holiday at that church. People, anyone who was able to do anything came. The ladies cooked lunches, and the men worked doing anything they could. Many of the women joined in that work as well. That congregation became not just a congregation, but they became a close-knit family because of being in contact with those labors for Christ. The second man comes to Jesus, and, he, and Jesus says, follow me. What he asks is, seems like a reasonable request. Did you hear it? Let me go and bury my father. Now, that particular response of Jesus, let the dead bury the dead, bothered me for a long time. I just didn't understand why Jesus wouldn't let him bury his father. I buried my father, and it was an important day for me. Perhaps some of you have laid loved ones to rest as well. And those are important days. So why did Jesus say, let the dead bury the dead? Well, Jesus had an advantage over you and me. He could look into the man's heart. And what he saw there was somebody who was making an excuse to not follow him. After burying his father, there would be another thing and another thing and another thing. And finally, there would be no time to follow Jesus. I'm a second career man, well, actually a fifth career person, but I went to the ministry at age 45. When the Lord finally called me to that office, we laid down everything, didn't we, Dawn? Everything we had 
and we went to the seminary and followed the Lord. I've had over the years a number of people who knew that story come up and tell me, well, I thought about following, uh, going to the ministry uh, a while back, but then this came up and that came up and I never got there. When the Lord calls you to the pastoral office, you need to answer that call. Nothing can come in the way. But you know, that's also true of congregational members as well. When the congregation has a need and you've been asked to fill that need, if you are qualified, if you are willing, God wants you to think seriously about saying yes, to prayerfully consider what it is that you've been asked to do, and then, if at all possible, to follow that call. Christians make hundreds of choices every day, like everybody else. But what we place as a priority tells a lot about who we are and whose we are by the grace of God. When we consistently give God leftovers, it says something to us and to those who know who we claim to be. Our gifts of time, talents, and treasures tell us a lot about who we put as a top priority in our life. We can't say that Jesus comes first and then try to fit him in as some sort of a convenient God when it's handy to have him there. We soon find out that he never fits. Jesus is not a God of convenience. A man once told me many years ago, I'm going to get active in the church when I get a little older. I don't know how old he planned to get, but I buried him before he ever became active. What's most important in your life? Social events, your job, your family, or Jesus? The strange truth is, Jesus wants you to have a close connection with your family. He wants you to do well at your place of employment if you're still working. He wants you to get an education and enjoy many social activities in your life. Do all of that. What Jesus wants is to be a part of those things that you consider important in your life. He just doesn't want to be apart from you at any time. The third request comes to us from a fellow who seems to even have a less demanding request. He says, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Interestingly, in our Old Testament lesson, which we'd like to talk to you more about at the Bible class, Elijah and Elisha have a similar kind of conversation. Elisha doesn't, Elijah didn't seem upset with Elisha's request, but Jesus has a different response. He said, he who puts his hand to the plow cannot look back. Now, I don't know how many of you are familiar with plowing. I'm not. But most of us, like Bill, have mowed a few lawns. Did you ever try to push the lawnmower while looking this way? 
you'll find you've made a very strange line in the lawn. It doesn't work. Even Bill knows that. As we walk with the Lord, our eyes need to be focused on him. When we spend time looking over our shoulder at what might have been, or if we hadn't been, or if Jesus didn't tell me this, or if, if we are wasting our time. Even if we focus on sins and things we've done wrong in our life, that's a waste of time. We just confessed our sins. And if you listened, I forgave them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Your sins are forgiven. They're lost. They're gone forever. They don't count anymore against you or your soul. So focusing on them is a waste of time. Remember Christ's words? We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We have that on a plaque in our wall. I need to read that many times as I get older especially. Maybe you do too. Does the idea of being comfortable or uncomfortable with Jesus come to mind? Perhaps you'd like to say to the Lord, this is what I'd like to do, or this is, uh, help me find a way to accomplish your will in my life, is what God wants you to say. But the old want Adam in us wants us to find a comfortable walk with the Lord. But as long as that's all we ever seek, is a comfortable walk with Jesus, we'll not find it. It doesn't exist. Some years ago, a story came across my desk, and I've kept it around and I've read it from time to time because it does such a good job of summarizing what these three fellows had in common and the struggle that each of us has in our life as we seek to do God's will. So I'd like to read it to you at this time. It's called Petal. P-E-D-A-L. At first I saw God as an observer, my judge, keeping track of the things I did wrong so as to know whether I merited heaven or hell when I died. He was out there, sort of like a president. I recognized his picture when I saw it, but I really didn't know him. But later on, when I met Christ, it seemed as though life was like a bike ride. But it was a tandem bike, and I noticed that Christ was in the back, helping me pedal. I don't know just when it was that he suggested that we change places, but life has not been the same since. Christ makes life exciting. When I had the control, I knew the way. It was rather boring, but predictable. It was the shortest distance between two points. But when he took the lead, he knew delightful long cuts up mountains and through rocky places and at breakneck speeds. It was all that I could do to hang on. Even though it looked like madness, he said, pedal. I worried and was anxious and asked, where are you taking me? And he laughed and he didn't answer. And I started to learn to trust. I forgot my boring life and entered into his adventure. And when I'd said, I'm scared, he leaned back and took my hand. He 
took me to people with gifts that I needed, gifts of healing and acceptance and joy. They gave me their gifts to take on our journey, our journey, my Lord and mine. And we were off again, and he said, give the gifts away. They're extra baggage and too much weight. So I did to the people we met. I found that in giving, I received. And still our hearts, our burdens were light. I did not trust him at first in control of my life. I thought that he'd wreck it. But he knew bike secrets. He knows how to make it bend to the sharp corners and jump to clear high rocks and fly to shorter scare short and scary passages. And I'm learning to shut up and pedal in the strangest places. And I'm beginning to enjoy the view and the cool breeze on my face with my delight and constant companion, Jesus. And when I'm sure that I just can't do any more, just smiles and says, pedal. End of story. Regardless of your age, Jesus has a fresh challenge for us each day of our lives. If we follow him, we'll face challenges. But soon those challenges become opportunities, which also leads to joys, which becomes blessings. Today, I wish you the Lord's blessing as you seek to follow in the path that he would have you trod.